Also, that scene where they're spinning, did you feel like he was going to trip into yes. the water? <laughs> I really thought he was. I thought he was going to let her go or something. The camera was just like, like it was it was watching the feet and he's just spinning around. I'm like, I hope they at least both fall in because if he trips and yoinks her into the thing, it's going to be tragic. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 330 with a review of The Theory of Everything. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I am Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we are doing two reviews. In the feed, we already had a review of Rosewater, and here is a review of The Theory of Everything. How are you guys doing the remaining of this fine Sunday morning? Good. Hopefully we don't uh, cut out again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Skype Hopefully is not doing great, but yeah, we're it's doing crapping great. out. Yeah, we've been having some connectivity issues with each other. Um, you know, we used to just use Skype based on, uh, you know, the theories of gravity, but uh, we learned about these new theories that involve quantum particles and stuff, and for some mm. reason those things don't reconcile with each other, and... Mm-hmm. For, you know, it just it's causing Skype all sorts of hangups. But yeah. we're waiting. Um, Some ghost, I think, is going to tell us how it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a ghost is going to tell us how it works. And uh, if we can come up with one unifying theory of everything, then uh, we can hopefully complete this review for the, you guys. The big problem is how can you unify love and gravity? Yeah. <laughs> no, no one has been able to do it yet. Yeah, they both both pull in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you unwind the clock all the way to the beginning. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> well, a lot like gravity, uh, love and gravity are basically just falling. Anyways, so we're still having problems, and uh, I don't think we can recover from this banter. So what do you say, guys? We just Saving get... Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You guys <laughs> saving Christmas. About saving Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only Kirk Cameron can save this banter. Yeah. That's true. So now that we're in this complete uh, <laughs> cluster Christmas story. We're in a wormhole. Um, Basically, at the beginning of our last review, we referenced the fact that uh, two people on this podcast who aren't me, for some reason, wanted to torture <laughs> themselves and see Saving Christmas, and uh, it so they wanted pure... to talk about it. So why it was... you're going to play the trailer, right? <laughs> I hope so. I don't think I'm going to play the trailer for this one. <laughs> okay, guys, let's listen to the trailer for Saving Christmas, and then we'll come back and give our thoughts. Join me and my family, and together, let's put Christ back into Christmas. I'll I'll play the trailer for it if you guys really want to. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> right. Only if you want to. But I will say I saw this movie in an empty theater, and I'm I think that was the best way to see it because I could just laugh so hard, um, and I did laugh a lot. It was very uh, exhilarating to laugh. Was the theater something. empty or were you empty? Uh, the theater was empty. And I, when I went to go buy my ticket, like I couldn't keep a straight face. So I was like, yeah, I can I have one for saving Christmas? And I started <laughs> laughing. Um, so clearly the guy at the ticket booth was just like, yeah, he's here to see this, ironically. Yeah, I, I had the same experience where I, I'd used Fandango, but I had to walk to a, and like ask a human being to redeem my ticket. <laughs> and she was like, okay, one for saving Christmas. En- enjoy your show. And I had to throw in like, I'm sure I won't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just wondered if the other people in your theater were there to see it like you were, or if they were there to see it like legitimately. The demographic makes me think it was legitimate, but even they were won over into laughter by the end. I, it just like because this movie has got to be like sixty minutes total, but it's there's like a ten minute prologue and like a ten minutes of them dancing at the end that <laughs> makes it feature length. Um, and that there's a prologue. So this movie opens and like Kirk Cameron is just addressing the camera. It's and the most ridiculous thing <laughs> it's in the, the world. Most, it's the funniest thing. It's like him just like in his living room on a couch. And he's just like, hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. And he's like, I love hot chocolate <laughs> and fudge. <laughs> and he's like, and Christmas. And he goes through like about 80 things that he likes. And then talks about how like the druids or someone is going to come and ruin Christmas. <laughs> Because we're all like heathens. It was this movie is like the most Tim and Eric sketch type thing <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie. It was like this could be like Tim Heidecker sitting there. He has this like yeah, little smirk on his face, and he's like, "I love Christmas." Pause. <laughs> Do you know why? Pause. Everyone talks so slow because I feel like they have to pad out the running time. <laughs> and that's yeah, the other. Just... That's the other thing is like half the movie's in slow motion. <laughs> because they, they they need to just fill the time i guess there's the, there's the one scene so okay the premise is he's trying to prove that <laughs> all of the like commercialized things that we do in america are actually celebrating jesus and christmas yeah there's which, meaning which there's like meaning a weird to it all. message i thought it was gonna be the opposite yeah yeah no th this was the like commercialization is great <laughs> yeah. movie um but so he's going through things with his uh, his uh, brother-in-law Christian in the car, played <laughs> terribly by the director of the, the director movie. of the movie, yeah, just horribly. Um, and so Christian, the theme, like the way this movie works, is Christian will go on a like five-minute, way too extended ad-libbed rant. Oh my gosh! About something else he finds terrible about Christmas, <laughs> like. Like, he might say, the tree. Why is there a tree? Do you see a tree in the Bible? I don't see a tree in the Bible. Show Santa? me where there's a tree Santa? in the Bible. That's an, uh, you, you reverse the letters and it's Satan. But he goes on. So he'll just rant for like three minutes while Kirk Cameron sits next to him. And then Kirk Cameron just has, he's looking at him like very like pensively. Like, hmm. And then like, uh, and then like he stops him eventually and goes like, bro, bro, let me tell you about Santa Claus. <laughs> And then, like, so the first one he does is about uh, the snow globe, baby oh Jesus. In the and while he's describing it, he says, picture a snow globe. And for, I kid you not, like, ten minutes of the movie, the camera is just, like, zooming in on the same rock. <laughs> then he says, but he says, he says, picture the snow globe. But then he's like, okay, now picture a cave. And there's swaddling cloth. And you're like, whoa, okay, how does this relate to the snow globe? And he never comes back to it. <laughs> never. It just keeps... Keep zooming. There were really a few times where it would like, it would, it would zoom in on the cave, and then cut to black, <laughs> and it would fade cut to black, like... and it's still <laughs> zooming in on the same cave. <laughs> uh. Like that, him trying to describe the first the snow globe was like it was harder to follow than the entire plot of Inherent Vice. Like I just like I it lost me. I was like this makes no sense, and then. <laughs> I, I learned apparently that the Garden of Eden was actually uh, a Christmas tree lot. Yeah, um, and that you know, if any time you see a Christmas tree, you should just imagine Jesus up on the cross, because that's I mean, what it's I mean, all about. So much of this movie is like slow mo, and then Kirk Cameron like mugging the camera, like giving a little <laughs> smirk, and then like 
it'll be him. So there's a series of like three or four times where he blows Christian's mind yeah. <laughs> by explaining <laughs> how like his Christmas, brother, not like his, Christians, yeah, yeah his, his brother-in-law. No, no his, but the name actual... I'm sure isn't an accident. Yeah. Um, but so like you know he talks about the swaddling cloth. He talks about the tree. He tree. talks about Santa Claus. Santa, which is like a pretty ridiculous. Uh, he's like, just imagine Lord of the Rings, but with Santa. That's a that's yeah. an actual quote. <laughs> yeah, that sounds but, biblical. So after every like ten minute clip where he gives basically a sermon, like that's all this is. Yeah, it's like minimal visuals while he's just talking like very happily about why this thing is actually about Jesus. Right. Um, and every time it comes back with Christian having his mind blown, yeah, he's like, like, "Oh my gosh, whoa!" He's like, "I, I just, never, I, I never saw it that way, bro. I never saw it. I never saw it till you told me." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. that's right, bro." <laughs> it just keep. It's such a repetitive movie. Uh, but w- what's really funny is like, so the majority of the movie is Kirk Cameron and Christian out in the car, um, and then it cuts back into the house like occasionally, and we get like token black man. And like his buddy, and they're doing like freestyle raps and stuff, <laughs> which is completely absurd. And this one guy, he ends up rapping like, he's like, "Yo, there's Florida and a water." He's like, "That's why we have Aspergers." Speaking of burgers, <laughs> burgers are made of pink slime. <laughs> it's so stupid. That was a favorite. That the, was a the black guy favorite. too. He must be some like Christian comedian or something. I think he is, and I think the the bald dude was like a Christian rapper or something. Yeah. Because they're yeah. having this conversation and they're trying to be joking, but they're still being super religious. So the guy, the guy comes up to Christian and he's like, "Yo, holy brother, filled with the Holy Spirit, mm, can I get an amen?" <laughs> oh, you said ex- exegesis. I got extra Jesus when I got baptized twice. Can I get a witness? Ooh, hoo, hoo. Yeah, and he puts his <laughs> hand up like he wants some, <laughs> wants some skin, you know. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous movie. I, I I feel like we're not, but like you, I feel like you can't describe it to someone. You have to just sit them down to watch it because you're like, no, no, bro. All I can say is I was I was really smiling the whole time <laughs> the movie was playing. I was so happy. I don't know how you didn't laugh. I mean, I don't. I'm glad there wasn't anyone else in my theater because I would have had a hard time not just laughing my head off. Because it was they, it was. They even have this token old man Bill. At the end, like a Tim and Eric sketch, who's just like oh, there yeah. for no reason, <laughs> and then this... it ends with him like, I don't know why I'm here, but I love hot chocolate. Yeah, it's some old like Asian man who's just like, <laughs> I guess freeloading. I don't know. Anyway, okay, Chris is not enjoying this, <laughs> no. but it was a wonderful movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, so for everybody else who's listening and is as you know perplexed as I am, um, these two fools. We're messaging on iMessage about going to see this movie, and I was just, like, not having it. And so I didn't see it. So I cannot input anything other than the fact that I watched the trailer and it made me mad. Oh, man. I, I would seriously urge everyone to watch yes, this movie I would, and laugh. Me too. It's, to- it's, toss back a beer or two and watch this movie and just have a good time. It's it's good to laugh. Especially since uh, the other thing that was ridiculous is that Kirk Cameron came out with that quote saying that all women during the holiday season should just stay in the kitchen like that's how they should spread the holiday joy is just being in the kitchen and so his sister one of his sisters real sisters is in the movie playing his sister it's so it's so weird how like this is almost like this this is almost like his this is the end it's like i'm playing my version of myself i don't mm-hmm. know but anyway his sister spends the whole movie in the kitchen <laughs> 
Just make it and hot there, chocolate for people. But there are so many, like, slow-mo cuts to her boring face not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, when her when the husband comes back in and says, like, oh, I just, I just, I, I just want to spread my joy with my, you know, my dance moves. And she's just, like, <laughs> she just looks at him, like, huh? Like, for five minutes. Oh, man. Anyway, I, I do think it was the funniest thing was when Steven texted me last night and said, like, I think I have more things to say about this than Rosewater, which is true. Like, I, I could I think we could go like a whole two hours and be like, why? Like, why was this movie made? How did it premiere in theaters and not in Kirk Cameron's living room? Well, th- th- just for everybody who's actually still with us. I'm not going to let him go on for two hours about this movie. So you can actually stick into this episode and listen to an actual review of the theory of everything. No, I'm I'm joking, obviously, but I'm saying like I could. The potential is there to talk well, about I, it. I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> you I, you should watch this movie. It, you're it's missing like, out for, for Chris real. Chris would enjoy this movie. It's I not like he, it's not even like the room where like you need to be in a frame of mind to see the ridiculousness of it. Like this is just a fun hate watch movie. It's it's. It's amazing. I, I, I don't enjoy hate watching as much as you guys do, so I like I think if I have the choice to rent Only Lovers Left Alive or go to a theater and see this, that's like an obvious choice for me. <laughs> Why I would not to- both? Totally go both. Yeah. Especially well, since it's free, it's you can movie pass it. Yeah, I, I, I don't want movie pass to even have to pay for this. <laughs> well, it's your loss. I think we need to make a movie where Steven and I convince Chris the the joy of saving Christmas. <laughs> like, bro, bro, but like, come on. We can make a documentary about it called Saving Saving Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, saving now Private ha- now Christmas. Now I'm halfway on board with this. We gotta, we gotta save these druids. Uh, anyways, so uh, should we get into our review of the theory of everything? Yes. <laughs> Much less funny movie coming up. <laughs> yes. Which, if there is actually a theory of everything, it would it would explain why you guys liked Saving Christmas so much. Mm-hmm. I, I guess so, yeah. I, I think there needs to be an equation for it. Yes. The equation I'm, is love. Yes. When I'm done, I'm going to throw my papers off the... <laughs> from, from the rafters. <laughs> I think that's exactly what... Uh, almost said James Cameron. What, <laughs> what Kurt Cameron did when he finished that script. He just ran to his balcony and threw it off. He was like, Eureka! I feel I like there couldn't Christmas. even be a script in this movie. I feel like there was a James Cameron <laughs> reference in, in the movie, wasn't there? Like, the rapper guy was like, Kurt Cameron, not James, or something. Like he Yeah, had, I don't know. He, he some went stupid, on a yeah. long free association thing. Yeah. Especially anyway. if you stay after the credits, he beatboxes <laughs> after the for like credits, five minutes. Goes on for like another five minutes of them just like blooper reel. All right. Well, anyways, Ugh. we're gonna take a look at the trailer for the theory of everything, and then come back and give you guys our review. Come on, get up. Morning, run. Stephen, are you aware that you voluntarily embarked upon a PhD in physics? Hello. Hello. Science. Arts. I'm a cosmologist. What's that? I study the marriage of space and time. The perfect couple. One never knows from where the next great leap forward is going to come, or from whom. What if I reverse time to see what happened at the beginning of time itself? Wind back the clock. Wind back the clock? Keep going. I don't know how. Yet. Where's 
motor neuron disease. Life expectancy is two years. I want us to be together for as long as we've got. It'll affect everything. You don't realize what lies ahead. This is going to be a very heavy defeat. But I love him. And he loves me. We're going to fight this illness together. Good luck. Why? I'm okay. So, this black hole at the beginning of time. Brilliant. Brilliant, Stephen. Well done, Doctor. He has pneumonia. The only way he will survive would be to give him a tracheotomy. He will never speak again. Yes, he will. My name is Stephen Hawking. It's American. Is that a problem? It has been a great joy to watch this man defy every expectation, both scientific and personal. There should be no boundaries to human endeavor. However bad life may seem, while there is life, there is hope. Thank you. Sorry, did you say something? I said thank you. All right, so uh, that was the trailer for The Theory of Everything, which is a biopic about Stephen Hawking. And it's sort of, you know, his life in Cambridge as he's trying to come up with his theory of everything. And then, uh, you know, his, whatever, the progression of his motor neurons disease. So, Carson Patrick, what did you think of this film? Um... Well, I mean, I was uh, I was definitely interested to watch Theory of Everything because, you know, I mean, Stephen Hawking obviously is a inherently interesting individual. And, um, you know, the movie had that sort of like Oscar Beatty vibe to it. But it, it looked like it could be just, you know, like a like a good like a feel good, you know, like I'm just going to go along with all of it and uh, be won over by the performances and everything. Um, but this is, I hated this movie. It is not good. Um, I, this is basically the jobs equivalent of Stephen Hawking. Like I, I, it made me mad that a movie this bad was made for someone who is so, uh, renowned, um, in his field and such a, an icon. And it just, it just, it's. It's not only pandering to like the whole Oscar, um, like to os- like to Oscar bait. Like it's, I mean, it's totally pre-programmed with just like Oscar clips and trailer beats and you know stupid quips that like you know people are gonna laugh at. But uh, it, it just the whole thing feels sitcommy. It doesn't do Stephen Hawking justice at all. Like I feel like this is a shallow is even too strong of a word uh, to say, because I think I, I feel like this movie just doesn't even skim the surface of uh, what makes Stephen Hawking an interesting person. Um, and I think that like Rosewater, but worse, is that, you know, I didn't get a sense of why Stephen Hawking is the man who he is. Obviously, I, I know about him. I don't know a whole lot about him, but I know like why he is you know, what he's famous for and everything. But 
it was kind of like the fifth estate where I didn't really know a whole lot about WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. And I left the movie not really knowing any more than I did going in. Um, and that's kind of how this movie is. But, and I, and I feel like to a, to a worse degree, it's not even really about Stephen Hawking. Like it's about his wife, Jane, who is the least interesting character in the movie. Um, and I think that telling the movie from her point of view was a mistake, in my opinion, because regardless of whether or not she's an interesting individual in real life, like she could be the most, you know, charismatic, interesting person. But this movie presents her as just this boring uh, individual who ends up being kind of a bitch. And... Uh, <laughs> If and I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm serious. Like she just, and like her whole plot that she developed, that develops with, there's another guy who's like a choir teacher or a choir teacher. Like that was just not interesting to me in the slightest. And I feel like the movie just really goes downhill after uh, Stephen Hawking becomes afflicted with the motor neuron disease because I feel like in the beginning, it's all about him. And we get to kind of see his, you know, early life uh, when he was in Cambridge. I mean, that's that's giving it almost too much credit because even then it's pretty shallow. But at least it's focusing on Stephen Hawking and Eddie Redmayne is giving like a very, very good performance. Like he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, it's almost like he's working on The Hobbit where he's giving so much for so little Uh which is unfortunate because I think his performance is in a better movie. Uh, and then once he becomes afflicted with his disease, it, the the point of view shifts to Jane. And like I said, she is inherently uninteresting. Uh, there's nothing interesting about her character. And then from then on, from uh, Stephen Hawking, he doesn't even feel like he's in the movie very much. Like he's just kind of sidelined. Uh, and it was... It was very boring, and I feel like if I were Stephen Hawking, I would be mad that this, a movie this terrible was made about my life. Um, because I think there's, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of interesting. There's so there's just a wealth of stuff that they could have pulled from, and this could have been an amazing biopic uh, with a lot of interesting stuff in it, um, like Jobs, uh, and it was not that way at all. It was almost just like. We want to make this movie purely for the awards bait sort of thing. Um, and it's extremely disappointing because James Marsh, the director, did uh, Man on Wire, which is a fantastic documentary. Uh, and he also did a movie called Shadow Dancer, which I thought was a very underrated, subtle movie that evoked that kind of time period really well and this movie is like the complete opposite of both of those uh which is so strange you'd think that you know he would have at least approached it somewhat more like how john stewart did for rosewater at least uh but yeah like obviously i think that this kind of material would work way better as a documentary and um not as a narrative, but it still could work as a narrative. But I just think that this was not the way to go about it. And uh, it was ultimately depressing. So, Stephen, what did you think? <laughs> so, the thing is, I I think I agree with pretty much everything Carson said. 
But I also think we have ourselves a good old-fashioned disagreement here. Uh-oh. Because despite all of the clear like flaws in the pacing and stuff, the, the schmaltzy side of me enjoyed this movie quite a bit, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, I... I feel like the comparisons to Jobs are like way off base. So it's true that if if you look at this as a biopic of Stephen Hawking, the man, then this falls woefully short because it's not about his life. It's about his relationship with Jane. And that is definitely like the center point. Um, like the science is hokey in it, but they barely even go into the science, right? It's only in so much as he and Jane have something to spin around and talk about. Um, <laughs> also, that scene where they're spinning, did you feel like he was going to trip into yes. the water? <laughs> I really thought he was. Like the, I thought he was ca- going to let her go or something. The camera was just like, like it was it was watching the feet, and he's got that, that clumsy, like, I don't quite have motor neurons disease yet, but he had like that goofy step to him, and he's just mm-hmm. spinning around. I'm like, I'm like I, I hope if... I hope they at least both fall in because if he trips and yoinks her into the thing, it's going to be tragic. Yeah. I, I honestly expect that to fully happen. And especially in this movie where it was just, you know, quip after quip and like, oh, oh Steven, no, oh, your glasses are always dirty. I mean, they should have even, <laughs> they should just put a laugh track in the stupid movie. Like, that's how bad it was. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, back to Steven. Anyway. Not, not Hawking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not Hawking, the lesser one. Um, I. I can't even disagree intelligently because I could totally see like a cynical viewing of this movie, a saving Christmas viewing of this movie (laughs) where I could just tear it to shreds. And I was actually prepared to do that when I sat down because this movie has been getting like buzz. I think it, it premiered in like Toronto film fest and some people were calling it it like the breakout one. And it's got a high rotten tomatoes rating. It's like an 85% or something like that. It's like the the kind of thing where like people wanted to have a best movie contender. And this one got a lot of buzz thrown around and I really wanted to hate it (laughs) because of that. Like I was so unprepared to enjoy it. And the thing that I wanted to hate about it is that Oscar baitiness of like what it was going to draw from. Like it was going to focus heavily on the disease and the depression around it. It was going to focus on the science and him being a genius. And it's going to focus on this eternal like picaresque love or whatever that's going to last forever. And that is what I thought the movie was going to do and what I thought I was going to hate about it. And instead it went, it went really left field kind of in the, not only in the fact that it focused on the relationship, but the way that it focused on it, like the uh, the way it painted it, not as this like magical thing, but as a very difficult, strange <laughs> relationship, like where it's a half half love thing and half caretaker, and how that feels. Um, that I don't know. The surprise of that to me made me much more engaged with it than I was expecting to. Like, I thought I knew exactly what I was going to tear to shreds about this movie, and what I got was a very different film from that. Um, I, I mean, like, so the positive first, like, the real positive is, like, Eddie Redmayne gives an amazing performance um, to the point where you almost forget how amazing it is, like, because he yeah. really is showing you this guy who is afflicted with motor neuron disease to the point where you believe it. And that could have so easily teetered on the edge of, like, if he had done that wrong, you know, like Robert Downey Jr.'s don't go full retard type thing. Yeah. Like, like, like it's a similar thing here. Like, if he had done that wrong, it would have been the most embarrassing thing ever. Yeah. Like, groan-worthy and offensive and terrible. And 
the fact that he nails it I wasn't even thinking about that while I watched the movie but afterwards I was like holy crap he spent so much of this movie like presenting a person even just the way he holds like his hands and his fingers and everything yeah like this is a fully functional person portraying someone who wants to move and can't move and I don't know. I, I was really blown away by that. And it's I, not it's, it's not just his performance when he's fully afflicted. Even the earlier time when it's like he doesn't even realize he has it left. Like and he he sorry yet like he he just has a little bit of a tremor. And sometimes when he's like writing with chalk, his hand kind of twitches in a weird way. Like there's I think the entire progression from the beginning. Like you 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 can see that it's it's starting from the moment the film opens up. Like you can just see like the like. He just maybe seems like he has some weird mannerisms, but you can tell that it's bleeding in from then to the time when he fully progresses. Like the moment <laughs> that he finally trips into the disease, like it, 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 like it doesn't feel like one day I woke up and I had motor neurons disease. It feels like a progression that you can see happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought certainly the highlight of the movie was the first part where it shows him developing yeah. and coming to grips with what motor neuron or Lou Gehrig's or whatever you want to call it is. Um, but I don't know, the rest of it, like, it caves into the sort of impulses I thought it would, the, like, the grainy footage montages of weddings and things like that. But it really doesn't linger on them. Like, it actually, it, it paces itself in a way where it doesn't push that kind of melodrama. Like, it favors other kinds of drama instead, um, to the point where, like, those big moments in his life are almost just, like, little bullet points that are checked off in, like, 10 second clips <laughs> and then you're fast forwarding to the next period of turmoil in the relationship yeah um i i don't i don't know there, there was something so odd about that that like really it surprised me and i found myself being very uh very empathetic towards the character of jane and the characters of steven as two people who are living these kind of like very unusual lives and like dealing with circumstances that most people would never have to deal with and i thought the actors portrayed them so strongly that even if i didn't uh i didn't feel a very cohesive point of view coming from it i was actually pretty on board <laughs> to the point where even when it does get sappy like it it definitely has its moments of about time type sappiness where i felt like uh I felt my heartstrings being tugged very clearly, but whatever my mood, whatever it painted me as, I was actually pretty okay with being tugged that way. Uh, And the sobering reminder that even though this shuffles around things by like 10 years, like it definitely plays loose with history, uh, but the reminder that this is the real story of two real people who still exist, um, that makes it, it made it stick harder for me. It's an easy movie, maybe, to make stick, but it still had that emotional impact on me. So, Chris, are you on the hater side or the it was okay side? <laughs> um, I I'm on the disappointed side. Um, mm-hmm. so like basically, my complaints about Rosewater completely stick with this film. Uh, and I well, first let's go. Let's let, let's wind back the clock for a second. Mm. Um. There was a point in time where I had watched the trailer for this many times. And, like, every time I watched the trailer, like, 
it, it made me a little teary-eyed. Just I was super buying it into the trailer. And I messaged Steven and I said something to that effect. And he hadn't seen it yet. And then he, he like like two minutes and 30 seconds after I message him, he's like, damn it, why'd you make me watch this trailer? And uh, right, that happened, right, Steven? Yep. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't confusing that with somebody else. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so like I, I was excited for this. I, 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 was, I was excited for this film to be what interstellar tried to be where it was this 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 film that's about science but is really about love (laughs) and i I kind of expected this to be this tale of love set around the backdrop of science and and you know comparing the two and you know there's all those scenes in the trailer where it's like there can be no limit to human endeavor and like stuff like that where it's like i feel like i don't know they're, they're they're the it seemed like a very emotional ride the story about this man trying to do something this disease that's that's afflicting him the story of his wife who like loves him over the 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 difficulty of being in a relationship with him a man who is undergoing this crazy disease with a very limited life expectancy but really is only concerned about his mind disappearing because of this disease and whether or not that that affects him and um i i was honestly excited to to like see about the science itself like like how how much of this science governed uh like his desire to to come up with this like unifying theory of everything defined his life as a whole and stuff like that and and the film it's set at a university people are taking classes people are talking about their theories sort of after the fact but like nothing in this film really focuses on like they're like seriously the 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 best scene in this film for me from the standpoint of like scientific stuff is the scene where uh where his wife is is like defining potatoes as celestial bodies and peas as quantum particles and and explaining to the the choir teacher guy like what this theory is that Stephen Hawking's like that that's the best moment in this film like from, and from, tell me that Felicity Jones isn't balls to the wall charming in that scene no she is well i'm still confused whether or not she was saying it angrily or excitedly because <laughs> one of the things i i i actually liked about her her character is so there, there's this woman who is just you know like this this good little religious slash art student and she meets this man a man of science and like they're, they're kind of getting together and like all of this knowledge that stephen hawking is working for he kind of needs her to be like needs her help with everything so she's sort of like she is technically as smart as him because like she's always there he's always i'm, I'm assuming like bouncing ideas off off of her or at least getting her help to like like it's right the, the paper and everything like yeah, she must be doing that yeah yeah so it's like she is sort of like she theoretically has the ability to understand and communicate his ideas better than anyone other than him like like so i i like the idea of her possibly being excited about those things i mean because we we've all been in situations where like we're really excited and care about something that another person in our life doesn't care at all about or doesn't think has merit to it so it's like you can you can easily fall yourself in a situation where he's like honey science and she's like you know what can we just not talk about science for once i had a long day you know what i mean so mm-hmm. there i don't know there I, I like the idea of her being able to go into deep like she can translate these big science ideas in layman's terms to somebody who like in this context knows zero about science and um i i yeah. oh go ahead no i was just gonna say that that was one of the things that i liked and appreciated about the movie is that anytime there was science talk it was clear 
and pretty understandable, uh, more so than anything in Interstellar, which is yeah. funny because they're talking about the same stuff. So yeah, well, I I, I messaged Stephen. I thought it was hilarious that you know in Interstellar there's all this thing about like you know uh, Anne Hathaway's thing about like maybe what love is the one thing that transcends time and space. The very opening scene of this film is uh, is the character of Kip who uh the you know the ro- one of the robots is named after making the joke that what if you could find an equation that defined love like wouldn't that be a thing <laughs> right and, yeah and just hilarious that like and kip kid- thorne was the guy on who i guess inspired interstellar yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah his work so so it's just hilarious that like that the film opens with this joke about the whole thing <laughs> that interstellar is about um that just made me laugh in my theater of like well, it was funny. The the when the movie started, it was just me and one other guy in the theater, and the 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 arc light person was like, "Hey, I guess this is it today." Um, I don't know why <laughs> no one else is here, but uh, you're about to watch the theory of everything. And then like a few more people walked in, like as the trailers were finishing. But it was funny that it was just like me and one guy like sitting in this theater to watch this movie. And he's like holding hands, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much, <laughs> broken out for Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> was somebody else going to say something a second ago? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Right. I, I just. I just thought that it was funny that yeah. I mean that scene and the the all the science stuff was just it was it was more understandable than Interstellar. It, it, it was understandable, but it was purposely toned down so it doesn't try to like right. It doesn't try to sound like it's giving you the deep scientific perspective. Like it's just no. trying to be like a husband relating to his wife basically yeah yeah and 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 i think some of those aspects are are good but i i think that yeah i don't know so for, I, I just feel like the film is a misfire in general for me um and besides it not hitting the emotional beats that i kind of expected from it uh you know steven <laughs> was messaging me because uh, we we both saw a movie at the same time and got out obviously around the same time or at the same time probably i sent you something like you cry bro I yeah don't yeah and I, I was saying like there, there, there was one moment where i got a little teary-eyed in the film and i expected to like be bawling the entire movie um metaphorically speaking of course uh, mm-hmm. but i i but i i never really found those moments and there, there were some moments too where i felt genuinely confused not not in a, in the sense of like science related but in the sense of like not getting motivations of characters and understanding that these events probably likely happened and you, you know uh uh carson mentioned the the little side plot with a choir instructor guy and and like i i can see that standpoint but then there was like counter things to that that were added to the story from hawking's point of view and like it just i don't know there, there's something about the film that just it didn't connect to me on the emotional level that I needed. It didn't. It didn't connect to me on the scientific uh, thing. And it's like I, I get, I get how difficult this disease is. I mean, obviously he's he's given a life expectancy of two years when he when he first realizes what he has. And obviously this film spans much longer than two years of of his life. So um, I I don't know. It's I guess it it, it communicated more of the wife's frustration with his condition than the difficulty overall with his condition. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it sort of, it sort of paints her as a frustrated woman who gave up everything to be with somebody who, or gave up potentially, like there wasn't anything specific that she gives up for, for him in the context of the story. But like I, the idea of like her being in love with somebody and choosing to be there for him, even in like really tough times. Um, and for him, it kind of, 
paints him sort of as a dick. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> know if you guys got that too, but it seems like he is very like oblivious and sort of like taking her for granted as sticking around and always helping him, even though like there are times when like she he's just like essentially sitting in a chair choking (laughs) so and he like literally needs her to sustain his life and i I, and that's the other weird thing too about like painting her struggle with caring for him because we see more of the choir guy caring for him than we ever see for her yeah caring for him And, and i don't i don't know there's something weird about it and i i don't know like did did you guys think of hawking as a dick or is that just me yeah no i i I definitely thought he was portrayed that way a little bit um it's worth noting that this is based on her memoir uh this movie okay um but i also to my knowledge stephen hawking and jane hawking were both supportive of this movie like he lent his actual voice to it and everything yeah Uh, so that's kind of why the, the fact that it showed him in a dickish nature is something I sort of liked because it was so contrary to the lifetime drama I was expecting to see yeah. of a perfect man overcoming all struggles. And instead it was kind of, it almost felt like if he did have something to do with this movie, and I don't know beyond his voice, if he did, it almost felt like him putting her up on a pedestal and saying like, this is who you should be talking about. Like this is the feat of humanity, not me surviving something, but someone else living like putting up with me for so long yeah and and, and, and i feel that that even if that was what it was going for i feel like it doesn't necessarily necessarily even strike that chord perfectly i mean i can definitely see him not painting himself in a better picture i guess but like i and and you can definitely appreciate what she goes through i mean just i mean take any scene in the film and you can understand how difficult that would be to be in that situation and um yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, it just didn't. I kind of expected like all the things, Stephen, that you were saying you were worried about hating about this film are all the things I was ready to love about the film. Mm-hmm. And then, so like you were almost pleasantly surprised by the fact that it didn't go to those bad places, and I was disappointed that it didn't because I kind yeah. of wanted. You, those you ways. thought at the very least you were gonna get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I kind of got like a sub par version of those different elements um yeah i don't one, know one big criticism i can definitely give of this movie uh which is almost the opposite of my issues with rosewater so Ro- rosewater focuses on one very particular life event it doesn't give a whole lot of context it doesn't motivate the character that much it's just like this is what happened for a 100 days um and this movie really tries to be like the script of everything <laughs> like in in a not especially long movie this crams in so much stuff like his him starting at the university his disease him getting a phd him getting married he has a family he goes gets worse blah 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 things happen with them i mean it spans like 25 years or something yeah <laughs> this movie and the way it's paced is certainly not one that like tries to have a, a unified message that it's making out of those 25 years. Like the relationship is what spans it, which is why I think it like holds together, but it definitely, it could have done a lot more like show me some interesting facets, but don't, don't try to fast forward all the way to like the nineties and the brief history of time coming out and everything. Like, 
we don't need that much. I, I would have maybe been happier if the movie had spanned only his time at Cambridge and like the first couple years of being a professor or something. Yeah. Like yeah. just showing the origin stories of uh, Professor Xavier. <laughs> instead of... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I... Minus yeah, I mean, the Xavier jokes, though, like, I feel like that is where the most interesting part lies, and it didn't need to cram his whole life into it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because the whole approach to everything, it was just too shallow. Like, the, every aspect of it, I felt, wasn't touched upon enough. And I think a good comparison for this movie is A Beautiful Mind, which I think is a great movie, um, and is going for the same kind of things, you know? Like, it's a very schmaltzy oscar Beatty movie at times and uh it spans the entire life of uh john nash but i i feel like that movie did it was so much richer and did it so much better than this film i i i just felt like this movie just didn't even skim the surface i mean i think it the, there's also the problem that stephen hawking is just you know like i said he's such an interesting individual and there's so much to pull from that i think it would have been better to maybe like steven said focus on just one part of his life you know a certain part of his life and not his whole life um and also i don't like i said i don't think the his the stuff with his wife is interesting i think it could have been but not in this movie and in terms of stephen hawking kind of acting like a dick i think it's there but it's quashed by like a hundred other scenes of him being goofy and having like tbs quips you know but that, but that's that, that's sort of part of the dickish nature of it like he just completely takes for granted his wife's help and care caringness and like it's just at every point in time like he's run around going destroy 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 and knocking right. over everything in the living room as opposed to like realizing that hey maybe my wife's in there trying to study and or translate stuff that i wrote i couldn't tell exactly what she was doing um <laughs> but like i, I don't know they're they're and and, and and I'm fine with a character in this, like a smart character being a dick. Like, like that is that is the uh, it's the whole thing with Sherlock Holmes, right? So he mm -hmm. he is a highly intelligent man who's so intelligent that he can't function normally in social circumstances. And I and I feel like like I have no problem with like Hawking being so concerned with discovering the science stuff that like he uh, sort of can't facilitate caring reciprocally for his wife but the the film that doesn't show us that it just shows us a guy who's like hanging out doing stuff and not really like there's there's not like like there there's definitely the scenes with him you know writing on chalkboards trying to actually solve stuff but like once he can't write on chalkboards anymore we never ever see him struggling with ideas like basically right we, we mm -hmm. get the dinner scene where he's like yeah originally i was trying to prove that universe uh, started with a black hole but yeah now my new thing is disproving that and it's like they're like really you're just gonna say that out of nowhere like now he completely disproves or or is attempting to explain why his original theory uh couldn't possibly be true like that seems like a significant moment in his life where he has an entire paradigm shift where he goes back on everything he said up until this point in the film and it's really just a, a dinner scene where he's like oh and by the way um yeah i don't believe that anymore oh, yeah. yeah well and it really isn't that's why i i feel like this was not a memoir of stephen hawking it's a memoir of jane hawking's memory of him or right. her which interaction is i with think him. A, a not a good way to approach this story 
Yeah. But so in her interactions with him, science does just become like he's the best in the world, basically. And that is just a thing that gives him free reign to be like goofy and good natured and shallow and not worry about anything because he knows that he has that covered. But, so they definitely they don't present that as a struggle or a major emotional weight on him. They just kind of present him as this guy that's off succeeding while she's standing there. Yeah. And I, I can definitely see not um not liking that focus. I think considering how badly I feel like science is often portrayed in movies, like even, you know, Carson mentioned a beautiful mind. In my mind, A Beautiful Mind is, you know, it's a very good movie for many reasons, but it also commits the, like, Goodwill Hunting-style sin of oh, having yeah. those eureka chalkboard moments that <laughs> anyone who knows math is just like, oh, God, this is so bad. I was yeah. I was, I was, was definitely surprised that no one was writing on uh, their dorm window or something in this movie. Yeah, and no one was, was writing on glass. They are, they are talking about black holes through beer foam on a table, yeah, beer which foam. is pretty... That, yeah, I, yeah. Feel, I guess that was the equivalent in this movie. Yeah. And that, that, too, like, I just talked about the dinner, sa- dinner scene with the wife explaining the whole, like issue between you know you know potatoes and peas like that scene was so much better than the beer foam scene (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah ridiculous yeah yeah but anyway what what i was gonna say is so in my mind a beautiful mind did something wrong that this did right for all of the opposites too like a beautiful mind made a big dramatic movie about his genius basically and the demons that he's plagued with And that was a big film. Like, that was an Oscar bait film back in the time when Oscar movies were still often these very large movies. Right. Um, I feel like now we're getting... Maybe it has to do with the internet. I don't know. We're seeing a lot more small things get coverage. But, like, this movie, by comparison, I felt like was a small film. Like, it didn't... It had big emotional beats, but it was never sold in this sort of, like, grand, sweeping, cinematic moment type thing. It was more like... Right. quiet recollections of someone's life which and maybe which, for that reason the offense of it wasn't as bad to me as the offense when it's sold as like a giant hollywood story i mean because i'm totally fine with the holly the big hollywood ver- i mean this is the hollywood version essentially i mean there's obviously i feel like it takes the same or has the same amount of embellishments as something like a beautiful mind but i just feel like that movie is done in a much better way and something like this that it doesn't no, you're right it doesn't feel big and grand and i just i there's just so much ground to cover you know and then it's like they don't really they just skim through a lot like that like chris said stuff that probably would have been significant in his life and sig- significant for the movie but it's just not covered and then it just doesn't feel like it's anything you know special or worthwhile Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see that. And, and and I think too that like part of the thing I grabbed like grabbed onto, grappled onto, grabbed onto. So any anyways, part part of the thing that I liked about the you know, the wife's story is that at least from the beginning, it felt like she was also in love with his mind. Like she wanted she felt that what he was doing was important to the universe, I guess, and like she at all costs, besides just like keeping her love going or keeping him alive she also wanted this like knowledge to be discovered and be let out on the world like she believed in his endeavor to find the the one thing that unifies all forces in the universe but like partway through this film it seems like she 
doesn't care anymore and maybe even resents his search. Um, and then there's, there's one moment where she's like really excited at a thing that she reads in his paper. And then that scene is immediately undercut by a revelation he gives her outside of that paper moments later. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, I don't like that journey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, like that, that goes beyond just Hawking being a dick in that moment. It was like, why would you, like, I, I feel like that couldn't have been the real way that conversation went down. No, I mean, they, just in general, this movie definitely, like, shuffled things around by decades <laughs> yeah. to to squeeze them in. Like, you shouldn't read the Wikipedia article of his life unless you want to get, like, frustrated by how much, uh, how much liberty they took with his life to make it be compressed in this movie. Yeah. You see, well, Chris would have liked it better if uh, Jane Hawking came up to Steven and was just like, Project Time, it's off books. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, rim, rim shot there. Anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know. You guys got anything else about this film? <laughs> well, I, I will say that um, I don't think... I, I'll re-clarify in the beginning. I don't think it's quite as bad as Jobs, but I do think that it's of the same nature and the fact that it's, you know, this genius man who gets, like, the least innovative approach to his movie about his life. Um, I do think it's more in line with something like The Fifth Estate, which was super dry, super boring, and uh, but featured a good lead performance. Because um, this movie does, obviously, it looks way better and has a way stronger lead performance than jobs so but you know i didn't it didn't leave me uh you know i didn't get any of like the emotional weight or anything because like i said it's so shallow like i would have i'm totally fine with schmaltz you know but it has to be done right um and i don't think that was i don't think it was done right here at all like i i feel like eddie redmayne was he was in the diving bell and the butterfly and this movie was not mm-hmm. uh the diving bell and the butterfly it yeah. was like the fifth estate or something and so I don't, I don't think i echoed what you guys were saying but he is unbelievably fantastic in this yeah role. and i'm sure he'll get at least a golden globe nomination i don't know if this movie will be awardsy enough to go to the oscars probably because it seems like it'll be a crowd-pleasing kind of thing but um what about nickelodeon kids choice oh i totally (laughs) nickelodeon mtv movie awards all those yeah (laughs) best Um, kiss (laughs) oh yeah for sure no i'm sure eddie redmayne will probably get an oscar nomination i mean it's it's totally that kind of performance um but it's it's deserved i just don't think the movie is anywhere near him yeah and and to, to to put things differently like i usually don't celebrate when like an actor totally changes themselves like an actor loses a bunch of late weight or like Charlize Theron gets fat and wears ugly makeup to to play a role like I don't celebrate that but in this he like literally transformed his mannerisms it's not just like a like a oh I lost weight and sat in a wheelchair it's like he became a different person which is awesome yeah and that's like how the guy in uh the actor in Diving Bell and the Butterfly did too but that movie was not it was the unconventional take on the biopic and this is more of like an awards friendly take but yeah. to, to like the worst degree i mean i'm totally fine with with that kind of 
like going for the awards, like 12 years of slave or something, but it just, this was not done in the correct way. Agreed. Anybody have some final thoughts about the film? Uh, I mean, I'll sandwich them into the review, but I think, I think we covered a lot of ground. I can't, I can't disagree with any of you guys. Like there is a part of me which thinks this too, but the part of me which watched the movie still enjoyed it (laughs) despite this. Uh, so I feel like other people must have that part in them as well. All right. Well, uh, let's get to our verdict then, guys. Uh, Carson, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm going straight up must-avoid for all the reasons why I just did not like this movie, aside from Eddie Redmayne's performance, which is great. And uh, I'll use this time again to mention a movie that I seem to always mention a lot on this show, which is... I still think the best schmaltzy, cliched movie that just comes together great and had me feeling happy was uh, Begin Again with Keira Knightley. I feel like I mentioned that movie a lot, but... I want to see that movie. My girlfriend just watched it on a plane a couple days ago. Yeah, like, a lot of people poo-pooed that, but, uh, I don't know. I I totally love that movie, and, uh, yeah, I felt like that movie got all those things right in the way that the theory of everything was going for, but just it, ne- it didn't never came together. Anyway, so you're saying the theory of everything turned out to be the theory of nothing. Totally. <laughs> All right, Steven nailed it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to maybe embarrass myself. I'm, it's not a must see movie for sure, but I've got to give it a recommend with a caveat. I, I feel like I definitely see what people enjoyed about the movie. I did too. I thought, I enjoyed its unconventional approach and maybe part of it is personal. Like the fact that I'm in the sciences to some degree and I like having a work life separation means that like looking at some story of a relationship where the science wasn't the focus, but I thought that was kind of refreshing to see for once him, he can be a genius and still just be some dick <laughs> to someone else. <laughs> um, I, I thought that, that was a, makes way him a of- genius, man. <laughs> that, that was a way of telling the story that I hadn't seen before. And even if it is clearly Oscar bait, it wasn't offensively so to me. And Eddie Redmayne's performance is just wonderful. So yeah, I liked it. F the haters. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to shake haters it gonna off. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. You're going to shake yes. it off. Yeah. Yep. It's going to shake us off. Well, I I feel a lot about this film. The, the, or Let me try that again. And basically, I feel similarly about this film that I did about Rosewater, except for the fact that this does have some genuinely interesting uh, emotional beats. It, uh, you know, it gets into this, like, I, I at least know a little bit of the background of, of what, you know, Hawking is going for or what his character is going for. And I, I do think it's a better film than Rosewater. So I will give it a uh, wait for rental because it, I, I think there is stuff to to uh, enjoy. And I, I think it's not like I definitely wasn't like oh damn i shouldn't have watched that movie like i i i enjoyed it enough i just it wasn't perfectly executed and it didn't deliver on um sort of the emotional experience that i expected from it um i wanted to learn about there being no you know no limit to human endeavor and instead i got lots of limits to human endeavor and also relationships um so yeah, wait for rental for me. To, to put it in perspective, the no limit on human endeavor speech in the trailer was what I was dreading the most in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't, I don't even like. It's not that I wanted that, like, to stand up and clap 
after that line was read. I just mean, like, I'm I'm totally fine with, like, making this scientific search, like, metaphorically the same as the love between two people. Like, I'm super sappy and stupid in that way, which is weird because I should have really liked Inception, or not Inception, uh, Interstellar, but <laughs> I didn't. Um, I, I don't know. I just... I'm still holding out that the imitation game will be good. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I'm I'm excited for that one. I think that I, one looks like an Oscar movie, but like in the right way, beginning. Uh, so I, I'm excited too, mainly because like the story of Turing is not that well known in computer science. Everybody like loves him, but <laughs> otherwise people don't hear about him that often. Yeah. Um, but I still I have a feeling that th- so his life was actually very much defined by his. Uh, personal orientations and it's it's a very tragic story actually of him but i do have a fear that they're going to play that up to extremely sappy proportions in the movie yeah i'm i'm a little worried about that hopefully i i i it's funny because in the trailer i i just keep waiting for cumberbatch to just be like we're gonna nail these bastards (laughs) (laughs) nailed it Anyway, but I just wonder, has anyone seen that Benedict Cumberbatch did a Stephen Hawking movie like 10 years ago um, for British television? Huh. It's, just, it's called Hawking. Like, I wanted to watch it um, before Theory of Everything. I didn't get a chance. But I heard it's really good. So I, I'm curious to see, like, how different it is. Is it available for rental or anything like that? I It's not on Netflix, but I'm pretty sure you can rent it, like, on Amazon. Um and it's it's written by Peter Moffat, so it's got to be somewhat legit. That might be an interesting uh, follow up review to do. Yeah, because I I'm I'm curious to see if it's any good. Like the reviews on um, Amazon are, I mean, you can't go off those, but everyone seems to to dig it. I mean, I've heard some good things about it because I've heard that he's good in it, but I just wonder if like the approach is any different. Huh. I don't know. It's it's British tele. It's a British TV movie, so it has to be, you know somewhat better than <laughs> it must feature a man wearing a dress at some point <laughs> i mean you know since we're always talking about like the uh anytime something's bad the you know british miniseries alternative <laughs> uh i feel like it's got to be somewhat better it's just a shame now that ethan hawk is gonna have to rename his memoir one day very nice yeah rocking and hawking okay so should we uh say goodbye all right yeah (laughs) all right carson if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com steven go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com and people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning uh, or you can like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to, uh, if not the theory of everything, then Interstellar, just because that's... (laughs) (laughs) It all works. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you guys for joining me. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. I think you should end this episode, by the way, by rewinding with clips of everything we've said. <laughs> yeah. Back to the beginning. <laughs> that would be funny. It would also be more work than I may or may not be willing to do. <laughs> but we'll find out. If yeah. you listen to this and Chris didn't do that, it means he got lazy. Yeah. It means yeah. that I'm a dick. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Hawking would have done it. <laughs> yes. He would have. <laughs> Well, if I if I, I I don't have his clicker thingy to go click 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 click, right? So. <laughs> you can't click one word per minute like he can. <laughs> no, exactly. no, you might Dude, say that there is a limit to my human endeavor. <laughs> yeah, d- isn't it true? Like he can't click anymore. He does it with like with his eye. He like blinks out the letters. Yeah, I think he's getting worse now. Yeah, which is pretty crazy that he can just still has the capacity to do that or the will to do it. Oh, one thing I learned, by the way, while Wikipediaing him the other day, is on the right side it always lists like who you studied under and who your students were when you're an academic. Yeah. And the first person that came up was my physics teacher at Berkeley. So apparently, Whoa. my physics teacher worked with him, and he never mentioned that. Huh. I feel like Damn, the students that... would have been so much more interested in him if he just dropped like, <laughs> oh yeah, so Stephen Hawking and I the other day. Yeah, NB- <laughs> NBD, you know. <laughs> Just, but you know, just work with Stephen Hawking. What? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we will see everybody next week. Bye.